0: From downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis & Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term
1: perspective. This is Money Talk for March 3rd, 2023. Checking the calendar, your Milwaukee Bucks, the hottest team in the NBA, are home Saturday with the 76ers. The Brewers continue Cactus League action in Arizona. And speaking of baseball, fans of Major League Baseball are getting used to the new 15-second pitch clock. It's supposed to speed up the game, but I think there's a lot to be suffered just sitting at the ballpark with the roof open, the sun streaming in, and vendors bringing you beer. What's the rush? (laughs) From Barcelona, Spain, the Spanish transportation secretary resigned after the trains he ordered were too big for existing tunnels. I hope he kept the receipt. (laughs) Here's a strange story. Dispensaries in states where weed is legal now sell diet marijuana. It claims to give you the reverse munchies. The definition of reverse munchies is saying no to Twinkies. (laughs) Hey, life is cheap in Russia. If a Russian husband dies in the Ukraine war, the Kremlin gives the widow a fur coat that sounds like a consolation prize on a game show. Well, Monty, I'll take the curtain. And finally, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, offer to pay for a new Oscar Mayer wienermobile, but only if it becomes vegan. <laughs> I think they already qualify since most of the stuff in hot dogs isn't really meat. <laughs> on the podcast today, we have Dave Sandstrom, Steve Giles, Joel Driesing, and wrapping up the week. Here's Kyle Tidding. And what a week
2: it was, Max. The NASDAQ up 2.6% this week, closing at 11.689. The S&P up 1.9%, up 75 points this week, closing at 40.45. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 1.7% this week, regaining positive territory for the year Friday as it gained 387 points for the year, now up 243 points for the Dow Jones Industrial Average that's 1.1 percent. The S and P up 5.7 percent, and the Nasdaq uh, an incredible 11.9 percent here through a little better than two months to start the year. I think perhaps a reminder uh, that while February was a bit of a rough month, um, you know, you add in the the strong returns from January, and it's really been an exceptional start to the year. I think investors sometimes lose sight of, you know, the, the long-term trend, the long-term path going back even, Dave, to October and looking at how strong of a return it's been for markets since then. Um, but it's never a straight line up. And so as we look at some of the concerns, in particular the Fed's fight against inflation, I think a reminder that, yeah, okay, maybe last week we dealt with some of the step back. But overall, direction for markets, direction for inflation – you know, the, the trend, the path that we look at beyond just day-to-day, week-to-week matters a little more.
0: And Kyle, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I've been getting a lot of comments from clients recently about how bad things are right now. And then when you take a step back, like you said, you point out the fact that, you know, we've actually been up since October. That's that's pretty good. And, and the fact that this year is off on the right foot as well, but there's still kind of that negative Drag, I think, on people because we're still in this inflation fight, still with the Fed at the top of all the headlines, and the fact that recently, with some of the good economic news we've gotten, that's put a little bit more focus back on the Fed, potentially going a little bit higher uh, than they originally forecast, and and perhaps even staying higher for longer. But I, I think the ultimately the trend that you're talking about with inflation right now is a positive trend. Uh, we're seeing the prices continue to come down, and eventually the Fed will be done, and, and they'll step aside, and and then we can get back to you know more important conversations about corporate earnings and economic activity and things that, in my mind, are, are more important.
2: And on the earnings front, we've seen fewer companies, we'll say, complaining about inflation in recent earnings releases. Data from that I think, showed 20% fewer companies reporting that inflation is an issue now. You see a lot of retailers, Costco, Abercrombie & Fitch, some of the ones quoted in one of the stories I read talking about how, hey, this inflation thing is still out there, but it's becoming less and less of a problem. And that's what we hope for. It's what the Fed's been trying to do all along. I think you add in the fact that, oh, by the way, economic resiliency is hanging around out there, that the Fed doesn't seem to have forced recession just yet yeah, that's part of the reason why the, the numbers aren't going to be straight down for inflation. Things are a little stronger than they otherwise might be. But also, I think that's a positive sign. You don't normally complain that the economy is doing too well, other than when you're trying to fight inflation and what you're trying to do is slow it. And so I'm, I am think I'm encouraged
0: by the direction, even if every once in a while we take a step back. You know, one interesting stat I saw today was the prices on a container coming out of China. Uh, a year ago, you were paying over $15,000 for one container to bring it to the United States. Uh, last week, the average price was $1,260. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's significant. And, you know, you don't hear too much about that. Of course, you know, remember it wasn't too long ago that we were seeing literally hundreds of container ships stuck on the ocean, you know, trying to offload this stuff and the supply chain in, in tatters. And and here we are today with a, a container cost of $1,200, which is uh, just shows you that some of the the relief that's coming from from inflation,
2: and then I see a headline today that uh, in the Wall Street Journal that investors are getting tired of buying the dip, and they cite fund flow statistics that show that you know week after week for the last nine weeks money's been flowing out of U.S. stock funds, mutual funds, and ETFs, and you know I think the the interesting antidote is we may not be buying a dip anymore uh, when you consider how strong returns have been. That's part of the problem. But also the other problem, Steve, is that the opportunity set now looks very different. It doesn't need to be just stocks anymore because all of a sudden we're getting more opportunity from bonds and from other places out there that investors are starting to look.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Kyle. Uh, Finally, after years and years and years of very, very low interest rates, um, there is now another player in town and investors are recognizing that uh, with money they... Uh, want to keep in something short term but do a little bit better than uh, cash in their mattress that interest rates on on CDs and savings accounts and, and treasuries and T-bills are much higher than they were a couple of years ago. And it's now starting to uh, give clients a chance and investors a chance to invest in a little bit more balance in their portfolios where a couple of years ago, all their returns were coming from stocks. And, and now, bonds are starting to participate. So I don't think that people pulling money out of stocks is bad news for stocks so much as it is good news for balanced portfolios moving forward.
2: And I think the one thing we need to be cognizant of is that there's a lot of great ideas, right? The next great thing out there. And you know, investors have this tendency to ask the question, well, what aren't we doing that we should be doing? And last year was a great example of, hey, the, the typical approach was challenged. Um, And I think we're going to get a reminder here pretty soon that maybe doing it the right way, that that balanced approach, Steve, that you're talking about works out. And you you don't need to go out of your way to find a lot of things that maybe look different than historically what we would have done.
3: Kyle, in the last 90 years, there have only been five years where both stocks and bonds lost money in the same year. Uh, So, you know, again, we've talked about this before. Uh, The 60-40 portfolio didn't hold up that well last year, but that doesn't mean that the idea of building an efficiently um, allocated portfolio has died. Uh, If anything, all it does is remind investors the importance of balance. And at a time when assets are moving around looking for the best opportunities, uh, don't have all your eggs in one basket, i.e. don't own all stocks or don't own all bonds, uh, find that balance in your portfolio. And uh, as, as we move through this business cycle, there are going to be certain asset classes at different times that do better than others. And, and that's what we're here to help our clients uh, find for themselves.
0: And Steve, I, I just want to reiterate your point there, which I think is, is so important and makes such good sense, is the fact that with yields elevated, how important uh, bonds role is going to be going forward. I, I look at it as you know, an opportunity here because, you know, granted, it was painful last year to be a bondholder. holder. There's, you, you can't candy coat the difficulties that the bond market had in 22. However, going forward now, this is going to provide some real stability in my mind to people, especially those that are retired, um, that aren't necessarily looking to hit home runs on a consistent basis, but need that stability to provide themselves with income each year and have a spot that they know that their drop dead positive is going to be there for them uh, as they go forward.
3: And and when you consider, Dave, that in the last 15 years with interest rates uh, near, near the basement, I mean, near zero for a lot of fixed income investments, you know, the Fed, federal funds rate um, was very, very low coming out of the financial crisis. And of course, very, very low after the uh, COVID crash. People recognized that they could get better income streams just by investing in stocks. Your, your dividend's in the market, too, 2 2.5%. Uh, it really, I think, skewed allocations for a lot of investors that were looking for said income completely gave up on bonds, completely gave up on fixed income. It's no wonder their portfolios got so whipsawed and experienced so much volatility because they had forgotten that fixed income as an asset class existed. So by yields uh, increasing again now on fixed income and becoming another player in town, it's not that they left they left town. They were just kind of hiding in the shadows. Uh, but they're still in the room. And we need to make sure that we recognize the importance of that allocation towards bonds. And by seeing yields come up, it's reminding investors that, hey, uh, we're, we're still there. And and it's important for you to pay attention to us.
2: And I think adding one more later to that conversation, you look at valuations right now in the market, the S&P 500 trading somewhere around 18 times the next 12 months earnings Um, and yeah that looks a little better if we bring it a little bit further out because we're talking about an earnings recession potentially right now for the next couple of quarters a period in time in which maybe the forward multiple uh, is a little bit higher than it otherwise would be because the the earnings growth forecast is a little weak right now Uh, but more importantly you know, when you look at what that earnings yield or what that uh, valuation ratio looks like relative to bonds, it just further makes bonds look attractive. The one catch with stocks is it's come in some weird ways this year. It's again been some of the bigger companies. It's again been some of the biggest names. The top 5% of the S&P 500 is 25% by weight. Um, And when you look at just the top 5 names or the top 10 names, You know, yeah, things look expensive. If you broaden that out and you look at an S&P, we call it an equal-weighted index, where you just take the 500 companies and give the same weight to each. Well, valuations look far more attractive, and the reason for that is some of the smaller capitalization companies. In plain English, the companies that aren't Apple or Amazon or Microsoft or you know the really big big names out there, they actually look fairly attractively priced, and so. It isn't strictly, uh, well, we're going to do stocks because of this, or we're going to do bonds because of this. We've got to be a little more, I think, opportunistic in the way that we pick our stocks and bonds. And so, speaks to active management more than it has in a while. I think it speaks to uh, looking at areas of the market where the valuations look more attractive, or where the opportunity set looks more attractive, and that. You know, I think covers the gamut from, hey, we, we want to buy more bonds right now because you get paid to hold them to, hey, maybe some of those growth names that are already up eleven or twelve percent this year. We don't want to be adding a lot more there right now. Maybe we're looking for some other areas to add to. You know Joel, quite a bit of economic news this week. Um, I think the the running theme has been it's a, a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, a piece or two of economic news, in particular ISM services number that I think was pretty pretty well applauded today by the markets. Um, but otherwise, uh, you know, a, a week where things were maybe a little worse than expected or pointing towards lower.
4: Sure. Yeah, we're, we're seeing in the, the indicators, the sorts of things you were already talking about, the economic resilience from some quarters. Uh, you know, we see that especially in, in the uh, unemployment uh, insurance claims that you know and next week we'll be seeing the the jobs report uh, that's real important every month to to see that the labor market is is still pretty strong and, and there's some resilience there um, but um, we're also seeing that uh slowing inflation so prices aren't necessarily going down but the increases in prices are slowing down and um, we're actually seeing that uh, somewhat in in housing uh, interesting uh, because you know we we were looking at uh, the, so the case shiller index looks at home price increases across the country that was year to year up 21% earlier this year but it was a record for them that was in march every month since then that rate has been coming down in uh, in in december which was the last month that they have uh, that was down to 5.8 percent. So eight times in a row, that that number was going down. That's still a lot—5.8 percent, you know, increase in in home prices. Um, but the National Association of Realtors said with their uh, pending home sales index this week, that they're actually forecasting that the the median home price is going to be going down this year, that it's going to be dropping like 1% from what it was in 2022. So yeah, we're seeing that slowing. And then specifically to the ISM, the Institute of Supply Management uh, Index that you mentioned, um, the, their service index, um, a lot of the the purchasing managers that they interviewed were saying, hey, we're seeing supplier deliveries at the fastest speed that they've been since 2009, um, so uh, they're 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 attributing that to more companies um, figuring out their capacity and figuring out their uh, their how they their logistics, how they deal with their inventory. So you know that was one of the things that was really driving up prices coming out of uh, the, the the whole lockdown after COVID. Uh, so we're seeing that developing, and that's a good sign for lower inflation, too.
2: And the ISM manufacturing number pointing to a bit of a short-term concern, but even within that data, some signs that maybe the second half starts to look a little bit stronger.
4: Right, yeah. So in that one, uh, the purchasing managers for manufacturing companies were saying, you know, we're slowing down our production right now. We're, um, you know, uh, watching our employment, we're watching our costs, because the demand is a little bit down, but we're gearing up to to get busy in, at, in the second half of the year. They're expecting more business activity.
2: And maybe, you know, of the two things that I watch quite closely, you know, the, the unemployment rate or the, the unemployment claims number, but the other is, well, how are consumers feeling? And we got a reading on consumer confidence this week that shows – maybe not as good as they were before.
4: Right. Yeah. So the the conference board came out with their numbers on consumer confidence. And um, it's been down the last couple of months. There's one uh, indicator that they have that usually shows um, that a recession is going to be happening soon. That indicator has been down 11 of the last 12 months. So, you know, this this whole concern about recession is something that's sort of been out there uh, for the last year or so. But we're not really seeing those definite signs of that happening yet.
2: Yet. And of course, the, the concern that we hit on at the very beginning was the Fed. The concern that I think we continue to keep a close eye on is all of this economic data and what it really tells us about what's going on in the world. And so it's why we keep such a close eye on it. It's why we talk about it every week. Um, and I think most importantly, it's the reason for the rest of this conversation, the balance that... You know Dave you and 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 Steve you were talking about is okay how do we navigate an uncertain environment we navigate it with the kind of balance that has proven to work through those periods of time so um, I think most importantly uh, you know this is the point in time in which what we do tends to work pretty well it's the point in time in which the piece of the portfolio in particular the bond piece that we were talking about earlier starts to look more attractive you know the only Other thing, a couple of reminders this week. We've got a newsletter going out this afternoon. If you're not subscribed to that, encourage everyone to head over to our website uh, where you can subscribe. And then lastly, um, if you've got questions on your mind about investing, about saving, about kind of uh, what's going on in the world, do not hesitate to reach out to us to let us know uh, what you're thinking. We'd we'd love to get those questions as we occasionally do. Um, And for the ones that fit, answer them on the air. So truly appreciate you all listening. We enjoy doing the program and we'll talk to you again next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalk@landis.com. To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk
3: page at landis.com.